At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome into the latest Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Uh, not going to have a guest today. We've got a lot to talk about with football, basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics, PPC, Honda Classic, no, Bay Hill Classic, uh, oh, and the Gator Nationals, which are in town. It is one of those crazy weekends, and um, we don't have anywhere near the staff we used to have in the old days. It's basically me and Robbie um, covering everything we can get covered. So, oh, and spring football. So we gotta we got to cover all of it somehow with just those people. So I'm basically – going to do some football and some baseball and um it's going to be it, but this is what this is what I, I love i love when we sit down on a on a tuesday and say hey let's plan out next week because it's going to be crazy just because that's the sports that are still in me just because uh i love living here and love love what happens here all the crazy things that happen so we'll we'll start out with spring football since it started tuesday today for me tuesday if you're listening wednesday um and florida clearly a lot of people there's a lot of people very high on florida i saw the projection on the over under i think it's bet online uh was nine wins which i think is dead on i think uh nine wins is is probably about what they're looking at which is what they got they had last year when you look at the schedule and you have First of all, a game against Miami that is a total outlier. You don't have you have no idea what to expect in that game. Um, I think th- there certainly are advantages for Florida. Miami's brought in a bunch of transfers. Game one, you know they may be uh, better players than what they had there, and they may get better uh, going forward. But game it's game one. Uh, certainly, um, I think the fact that Florida with what they've got in terms of returning guys who know what they're supposed to be doing. There's not an install. I think it's going to be a big factor as well for, for to help Florida have a great spring. But that's what it's all about, is spring. Um, and I, I, was, I started to go through the schedule, but basically you've got the, the couple of gimme games there, um, you know, and, and then eight SEC games and eight – Decent football teams. None of them are bad, bad football teams right now. You wouldn't look at and and say that game at Tennessee is a uh, um, I'm sorry, at home against Tennessee is a lock just because everybody seems to think the Vols going to be a little better this year. They're going to be a little bit better, and you know they got better at the end of the year. So I mean, look, it, I think it's about a nine win type team, but we haven't seen what's going to happen. We haven't seen one practice with th- with this team. This is a n- brand new team, and the other thing is, uh, we don't know the answers to a lot of big questions. We don't the number one injuries, and we've seen it devastate teams. The 2000 and uh, what was it? I'm trying to think of the year. I know what what happened. It was been the 13 team, right? The one that lost to Georgia Southern, destroyed by injuries. Now 
the injuries that that team had were bad and they were they were crippling, but they weren't four and eight bad. And that team just didn't play hard and didn't wasn't coached well, to be honest with you. And I I like Will and I th- I think Will didn't do a very good job with that team. Um, I thought he did a great job with the team the year before, but uh, not with that team. Um, so anyway, um, we'll see how Florida handles spring practice. Uh, one thing I talked to Coach Mullen about yesterday was the uh, three buys are going to have. He he his attitude was kind of like, well, whatever we have, we have. We'll figure it out. We'll schedule it out. We'll get guys rest. We'll get guys do everything we can to keep them healthy. Uh, but he, I think in a way, he's kind of curious. You could tell he was kind of curious about the lack of momentum when you play a game then you'd have a, a full week off then you play your second game and then at the end of the season i don't think that the buys are going to hurt florida it may be a perfect storm in this way and i'm just thinking about this right now for the first time you open with miami it's gonna be a lot of emotion hard-hitting game you know national tv a lot of energy a lot of, uh, will be produced you're you're shooting for that game and then you get a full week off, and then you play UT Martin, and you kind of ease back into it. It may be perfect from that result. Then late in the year, you get a week before Georgia, and you get a week before FSU, which is something you probably want. Um, so I, I, I think it'll be all right. I, I think my concern was when was that you would have bye weeks where, uh, in the middle of SEC games, uh, a lot of them, and that would be a problem. But I think it, it sets up fine. The, the, the interesting thing is going to be crowds, for example, if Florida loses to Miami, God forbid. Because that I think it's a I think it's a season defining game. I really do. Not a not a program defining that, but it's a season defining game. And I'll tell you why, but first let me take a break. I'm gonna tell you why it's a season defining game and also what Dan Mullen's got to do this year. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rate and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. Okay, so I was going to tell you why it's a season-defining game. I just think that game, that game is going to tell you a lot about what your team is and, okay, have they... Are they ready to start taking another step? That Florida team in game two last year wasn't very good. It got better as the season went along. So you know they can get better. You know this coaching staff knows how to get them better. But have they improved so much with with the, the time they've had with their coach that they are just the better team and they take care of business? 
And then you kind of go, okay, they got a chance to do something really, really cool here. Because to me, the biggest thing I thought Dan Mullen needed to do at Florida, everybody talks about culture. Okay, everybody talks about how uh, he needed to change the culture. Guys needed to be more accountable. All this is true. He needed to have more accountability in his coaching staff, and I totally 100% agree with that. He needed to get the fans under back under the tent. You know, that they've been pushed out of the tent. He needed to get them back under the tent. He did that. But to me, one of the biggest things that Dan Mullen had to do in the first year was beat Florida State. And look, I get it. Florida State's not very good. They weren't very good this year. They weren't very good last year. But I felt like he had to win that game. I thought it was vital that he win that game, keep momentum going, say, hey, don't worry about it. Now, the number one thing I think he needs to do in this season, beat Georgia. Because if, if it's, hey, Dan Mullen's got the Gators really going. They're on a roll. They've won 10 games the last two seasons. They're the second best team in the East. That doesn't sit well. You're happy that your coach is doing so well, but, you know, beat Georgia. Beat Georgia, win the East. But I don't think this team I don't think this team can have a big year if it doesn't beat Miami. So that's my whole point of that, if there was a point at all. Um the 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 thing is I was thinking about what are the storylines for spring football this year. And one I came up along is a different storyline than I think what you'll see from other people. Okay. Here's here's what it is. Storyline number one. The offensive line is a story that isn't a story. And the reason for that is, 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 I don't think that's allowed. The reason for that is because the offensive line is a huge story for Florida. A huge story for Florida in the spring and in fall camp and going into this season. It is, a, it is the biggest story. But you know what's not a story? How they're doing. Because nobody's going to be able to tell. We can go to practice. They're allowing us to go to a bunch of practices. They're blocking against their own guys. We don't know. And look, none of us are trained offensive line evaluators. You know how we'll know? We'll know when they play, um, you know, Tennessee or or, or uh, LSU. Do they move people off the ball? Do they get the running game cranked up again like they had it going last year? That's what we'll know. That's that's the only real indicator as to whether an offensive – does Felipe Franks have time? That's the indicator to whether an offensive line is playing good. None of us really know unless you're Cole Kubelik and you study film. And he's great at it, but I'm not taking that much time. So as we go through the spring – the coaches are going to tell us who's playing well, who looks good on the offensive line. I think we might have six right now. We need to get eight, you know, all that kind of stuff. Bottom line is we don't know. So we'll find out during the season. That's why the offensive line is a story that isn't a story. It'll be a story when they start playing games for real. There's another story that um, is, I don't think is a story, but you can make it a storyline. And that is, can this be one of the best group of receivers Florida's ever had? The reason it's not a story is, I don't think they're going to throw it 
you're not going to have like a star, right? You're not going to have one guy. Van Jefferson would be the leading candidate. I don't know if they're going to – he caught two passes a game last year. You know, I don't know if they're going to go to a guy that much. I, I, they're going to spread it out, and they're going to try to continue to be very balanced. So I don't know that it'll get into that category. I, it, it, on the surface, though, I love this receiver group. You know, with Jefferson, Grimes looks like he's maybe ready to to do some special things. Cleveland's going to be back. Um, you know, and obviously Hammond and Swain, um, Copeland, and I, I, I just think they got so many good receivers. So um, I don't know that they're going to ever be in the same breath with the Quez, Quez Riddell Ike. Was that the best one, would you say? I mean, you could go back to David Nelson, um, Lewis Murphy, Riley Cooper, and uh, uh, God, there's um, who am I missing? I'm missing the obvious one, Percy Harvin. No, Percy Harvin won that. Yeah, Percy Harvin. Where all the all the receivers, if you want to call Percy receiver, all of them played in the NBA NFL. That that group was pretty special, and they were on a kind of a team that liked to run because of Tim Tebow. Um, you know, if you go way back, way 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 back, you might look at the Carlos Alvarez and. Uh, Andy Cheney and those guys. But, uh, no, I, I think Quez, Ike, Riddell set the standard. There were other players on that team, uh, Travis McGriff, guys like that, although I think Travis was hurt for that last game. But um, those were the three. So is it going to be up to that level? I don't think so. I don't think it'll be up there, but I think it'll be good. I think they're going to be really um, interesting. And, of course, we always wonder who the face is going to be of a team and – Last year, clearly the face was Dan Mullen. I think a lot of us thought it was going to be like CC um, or maybe David Reese or usually the quarterbacks in the candidacy for it. The face was Dan Mullen of last year's team. There's no question about it. And who will be the face this year? Will it be Felipe? It will be Felipe if he plays well, if he takes it up a notch, if he's good enough to have Florida in the hunt for – college football playoff and and the and obviously Eastern Division Championship. It could also be David Reese if if he kind of takes over and because he will be at, at a lot of interviews. In fact, I think we get him Thursday. So uh that all that stuff will be interesting and this we'll just see where it all heads with uh spring football. It's like again, I say this every year and I say it again, the best news that can come out of spring football is no news. Because any news you get, A, probably if it's opinion, it probably is not accurate. And when, when I say that, I mean coaches sometimes, A, get fooled by players in the spring, and B, um, don't always tell you what, what the truth is. They tell you what they want in the paper, but it may not be the truth. And behind the scenes, something else is going on. So the only so any good news that comes out of it, you kind of take with a grain of salt. And the bad news is what, what hurts you. You, you want to get through it healthy. I mean, that's just – and I think they're doing a good job. I thought what Dan was saying the other day was pretty interesting about how hard they work on scheduling to make sure guys are healthy and that they are rested. And these three bye weeks will actually help them more than anything. Um, I, I thought that was pretty interesting, that they really made it a study, that they do it more than most people. All right, so that's the football part of it. Let's get to the basketball. Uh, obviously not a great week for Florida – the LSU game was winnable. Had it won. Couldn't stop Tremont Waters. Kayvon didn't take the shot, which to me, 
after I talked last week about the legacy of these players, that was the perfect game uh, of, of their legacies. Kayvon did not take a shot after the first half. What's been the problem with him his whole career? Didn't take a shot with the game on the line. Instead tried to drive. Um, Jalen Hudson, a senior, 33 points, and you're like, I, I almost thought Gator fans were angry with Jalen for scoring 33 because they were like, well, you can do this? Why Why wouldn't you do it before? Why'd you wait till now? And it's almost like that's his legacy. Like, I don't know what you're getting out of this guy. And then Kavarius plays like a warrior, still limited, still fumbled some balls, still didn't finish some shots, but played his heart out. And I don't think any, I don't know that any Gator has ever played harder for his team than Kavarius Hayes. If he had like a Hakeem Olajuwon body, he might be the greatest player of all time playing that hard. But he doesn't. Um, so anyway, lose that game, actually go up in the net rankings. They went up from 35 to 32, I believe it was. And then lose to Kentucky in the game, you know, and you're kind of getting sucked in. Officiating was absolutely horrible. I had a guy uh, last night, I did a thing for Stop Jones Cancer, and one of his questions was to why the officiating is so bad. And especially in that Kentucky game. And I said, look, three things. One, all fans think the officiating is bad because they're not calling it the way they want to see it. And they see things through um, jaded eyes. I mean, they look and see a play and they go, that's a hold. All right, well, it was a hold a little bit five minutes ago. You didn't care then because it was your team. Secondly, yes, the officiating was awful in that game. And it's just amazing to me that Kayvon Allen is the least protected basketball player I've ever seen in the SEC. If you take the number of times he's driven and been fouled and it hasn't been called, it's in the thousands over his career. And I just, the referee was terrible. But number three, as you know, it's coming. You got to play around it. You got to play around poor officiating. It's going to be bad. I had on Twitter the other day that I thought Florida, I mean, I thought the referees get about 75% of the calls correct. But that 25% is unacceptable, and it drives me nuts when I'm watching a game. How can you miss a call that badly? So um, so they lose those two games. And in the end, the bottom line, if they don't get in the tournament, and I'll talk about that in a minute, is going to be why you couldn't win at home, why you were so poor at home. They were 9-6, and six, but 4-5 and five in the conference. Um, that's just... That's you're supposed to. the The plan is have a great home record. If you may not go nine and zero, but eight and one, seven and two at the worst, and then win like half your games on the road, and you're in the NCAA tournament. This team did the job on the road. They won a lot of games on the road, especially in the conference. They had a winning record on the road, but they couldn't win at home. Why? And I don't know that I have the answers. In fact, I don't know what the answers are, but I do know that it's kind of a different crowd now. I think it's changed a little bit. I think it's uh, it's a later arriving crowd, even more so than before. There is a lot of uh, golf applause because of the, the way they've set up the um, club area there. Uh, the energy in the stands for games 
has never has not even come close to the reaching where it was um you know i i really for me back in the uh 06 07 and prior to that with with those mike miller teams and when with the whole billy donovan era but it it started to fade a little bit the pregame excitement people getting there later maybe not the um game time they want to have so there's not always a lot of energy in the building and this team struggles with energy i mean but every, most teams you use her clay thompson criticizing their fans for not getting excited during games um this this crowd here at florida gets up when they need to when they want to but they're not up all the time and i think for this particular team they kind of needed that and i'm not blaming you guys for not having more energy it's not your job to be honest with you you're supposed to generate it yourself. But for this team, I think that was a factor. And they got up to a lot of bad starts at home where I think there was that whole, you know, well, we're home, that'll be a win uh, mentality that, that uh, Mike White talked about. The third thing, I think, is that what I talked about last week, it's a big deal to beat the Gators in everything, every sport. It's a big, big deal to beat the Gators. And if you don't go to the park – yard field whatever it is with wearing florida across your chest and understand how big a deal it is for the other team to beat you in every sport it's huge and if you don't get it guess what they're gonna run you right over and that's what happened a lot with this team playing georgia guess what georgia really really wants to win this game the next game they play after after Georgia beats them, what happens? They scored like 19 points in the first half. Was it 19 or 18 or something like that? Then they got des- destroyed in their final game. They'd given they were ready to give up on the season, but oh, the Gators! We're getting to play the Gators. That's a big deal. They won national championships. They're our arch rival and all these other sports. I remember watching Florida Georgia football this year. You got to understand that if you don't get that. You know, I know that they talk about bringing a psychiatrist in. They should bring me in and let me explain this to people on, on the, all, in every sport and make them understand how big a deal it is to beat the Gators in anything, okay? Anything. That's the brand you've created. All right, I'm going to talk more about um, – I want to get into a little bit into Will Wade. The, the all-SEC team, coaches team is out. I'm going to get into some of the um, potential uh, seeding. Talk about Florida's chances. Three things still to come. I'll take a break right now. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, let's start with uh, Tuesday. The uh, All-SEC teams came out. Pretty much pretty standard stuff. Pretty standard stuff. Coach of the Year was Kermit Davis. I would have voted probably for Frank Martin to get the four seed with what he had and the injuries he had and the start they had. 
I think that was pretty impressive. And the thing is, you know the coaches damn sure ain't going to vote for Will Wade because now they're basically saying, hey, I'm not voting for a guy who cheated to get the players to get a good record. So um, the only Gator even mentioned was um, Nemhard, who was on the Rook all-freshman all team. And I, we were talking about him. I, I really like Andrew Nemhard. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, he's not the quickest guy in the world, uh, but he he plays the game so smart, and that's exactly what you need at that point. Um, so he's the only Gator on there. Grant Williams, a player of the year. You know, I, I, I thought P.J. Washington made a late run there. Um, I probably – I think PJ fell off a little bit just in numbers, um, and that may be why. I, I, you know, either one of those guys I'd have been okay with. But think about this: there are 16 players on the coaches' all SEC first and second team. 16, not one of them's a Gator, and and not and and certainly rightfully so. All right, so we'll see what happens with. Uh, by the way, with uh, Will Wade. Uh, it's pretty serious stuff. Um, the the booing of Joe Oliva was just asinine. His, he finally did something right. Um, you guys out there, you liked him when he kept Ed Ogier on. You liked him, you know you you liked him when he um, kept him on his head coach. You liked him when he hired Will Wade. You liked him when he when you know. Now I personally don't like Joe Oliva. I think he is. Um, the way he handled that hurricane thing is never uh, that's never going to go away from me. Um there's some other things too. But um he this he did the only thing you could do. If you've got a player on your team and you discover that there are wiretaps that he is it's being discussed about the offer that was made for him and he came to by your coach and he came to your team and you play him in that Vanderbilt game guess what your SEC championships vacated right on the spot maybe not on the spot but it's going to be you can't play that kid until he's cleared that's and that's the smart thing to do and you can't play your coach when he says I ain't talking to you guys Sorry. If you don't like my earlier explanation, fine. I'm not getting into detail about anything that you've seen. When he says that to you, you've got it. This is standard boss employee. Well, then you're not working until we clear this up. So Joe Oliva did the right thing. I'm interested to see where it goes. I, you know, it, it's such a mess. And um, I think, you know, Will Wade kind of burst on the scene getting players, but it's not like. It's not like they weren't getting players before. I mean, shoot, they had Ben Simmons just a couple years earlier. You know, they had Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Jackson. They've had some great players there. It's not, but it doesn't look good. But this is the funny thing about it for for Florida. This this turn this around to get to Florida. For Florida, there is a path to get to the finals of the SEC tournament. And yet, I'm not going to be stunned at all if they lose to Arkansas in the first round. Arkansas, for some reason, has a knack for this tournament. Uh, beat Florida last year, as you remember. Florida played terrible. Um, they're on a roll. They're trying to get in. They're desperate because they're not in. They're trying to get into the tournament, too. Um, 
They're playing way better. They've won three in a row. Daniel Gafford's kind of come from being an invisible man to being a, a big factor. I think it's a really tough game, and they could lose that game. But they could also win it because they, they've beaten them before. And then they get to play LSU without maybe without their coach still, still with a lot of question marks. LSU's a really good team. For some reason, I was told this by one of the beat writers out in uh, Baton Rouge that Will Wade was saying before, it's a bad matchup. I'm not sure I understand how, but – because you've got a guy in Naz Reed who should be able to score in every basket whenever he wants, but obviously you've t- it's, you've gone to overtime two years in a, or two games in a row with Florida, won one, lost one. So yeah, it must be a tough matchup for you. So when you think about it, though the fact that you went to you went to overtime twice with this team and they probably will be without one of their better players, not their best, but one of their better players. You you see a path for Florida to win that game, obviously. Okay, now guess what? You either get South Carolina or Auburn. Auburn can't play away from home. They're really good at home. They're not that, that good on the road. They're the opposite of what Florida was. And if you get South Carolina, look, South Carolina's got a Florida's number for some reason, but it can't beat them? No. Are you kidding me? Of course you can beat them. So you know you're in the finals. Playing Kentucky or Tennessee. Either way, you know that'll be uh, that'll be tough. But you get to the finals, you know you're going to the tournament. Here's what my gut is, and and I don't know. Obviously, Florida's 33rd in the net rankings. Florida's got some good things, but not that many. Florida, I don't think right now. I would not put them in the tournament, but I know it's a soft bubble. It needs to stay soft. Stay soft for Florida uh, to help Florida because there are some teams you don't need to come up and steal bids. And so far, I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, you know, I mean, whether it was Belmont or whatchamacallit, there, there was going to be uh, Murray State. There was going to be a, an argument for the other one. So, But anyway, um, you you got to gotta beat Arkansas. You beat Arkansas, you get to 18 wins, your RPI or whatever you want to call it, the net ranking is – Pretty darn strong. Even if you lose to LSU, it'll be a, it'll still be a question. But you probably will slide in unless there's a ton of craziness. Okay, and then there often is. It would help to just go ahead and win two games. We can't win two without winning one. Um, it, it's interesting right now. Joe Leave has Florida's 11 seed, and um. You know, he's got LSU as a two seed, and I was trying to think whether the whether the um, the number ones are locked up or could it change. But here's here's basically my feeling. Okay, you got Virginia. I think Virginia and Gonzaga are locked. Okay, and then it's North Carolina and Kentucky and Tennessee and Duke and Michigan State and LSU. All between a lot will depend. Like if Duke comes back with Zion and beats North Carolina, you're not going to make them a one seed. If they win, beat North Carolina, win the uh, ACC tournament, you're not going to dump North Carolina down. I don't think the Zags might be the team that gets left out. Like I don't think there's any way LSU could, even if they won the tournament, could be a one seed. Okay, I don't think they can. Duke. Certainly, if if they play with Zion and they win the tournament, 
I think they'll be a one seed. Tennessee wins the tournament, beats Kentucky again. I think they're a uh, – now, they actually will play in the semifinals, which is interesting. So they uh, we were hoping it would be like the great final, but they'll be in the semifinals. Um, they could be in the argument. I mean, who do you put, Tennessee or Kentucky? If can Tennessee beat them twice? I don't think anybody from the other the, – the next group would, would have any chance to move up, even if they won. Um, but it could be uh, the Kentucky-Tennessee semifinal is a game for a number one seed. It's it's just crazy. One thing I did want to talk about, and I will get to um, to the back or the the three things in a minute. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Looking at some of my notes. Number one, the best road and neutral records. This is like they're looking at net rankings. They're looking at a lot of things. Your quadrant one wins and all that stuff. They want to see what you do on the road and neutral sites because that's where all the games are played. None of the games are played at home. Nobody's playing in front of a home crowd and they want to see teams now now in a way it's good for florida this is one reason why their net ranking is so high just because they um they have have all those road wins so florida right now is eight and eight in games that are played away from exact tech arena eight and eight which is not bad at all tennessee for example nine and four that's good so was kentucky um Gonzaga thirteen and two, of course. Leagues, you got to think about that. Virginia's thirteen and one. That that's what's amazing. And I know LSU has a great. I think they were nine and zero in the SEC. I, Houston, ten and one. And that's supposed to be. Is there a way Houston could be a one seed? They're they're in the top four in, in net. My gut was is they'll be a two, but we'll see. It's gonna. It's about to get crazy. It's about to get fun. I would love it if Florida was in it. Um, I, I, you know, I just like Florida being in the tournament. It's a lot more fun when they're in it. Uh, some of my favorite moments, some of my favorite memories, some of my favorite uh, being sitting in a, in a, an arena have been obviously NCAA tournaments. I think number one being 06 when they won it all, um, and then. Probably number two would not be 07, as as great as that was. Number two might have been the Chioza shot. And number three might have been Mike Miller. <laughs> and uh, So anyway, I don't know. I have, I've never really – maybe I should do that, come up with a list for next week as we get to March Madness. But I'm looking forward to it so much because this week – I mean, this week you have Gator baseball at home, starting SEC play. Okay. Plus FSU tonight. Plus you have, um, obviously, start of spring practice. Plus you have Gator Nationals. Plus you have the Players Championship, which is always great theater, great to watch. And then we get, and then we're moving closer to Augusta. We get, we're getting closer to the start of baseball season. And um, I don't know, it's just it's a great time to be alive. And the weather, not too bad, huh? Not too bad at all. All right, let's take one more quick break, and then we will come back with three things. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Okay, uh, welcome back. Did I? Yeah, I did mention that I went to the concert the other night. The Avid Brothers. It's an unbelievable concert. That, that amphitheater is amazing. 
you guys need to go over there. It, it's a really great venue to watch it, and they're so organized, and they, they know what they're doing. They put on a lot of concerts. It's really, really something's great. Um, seeing my dad, too, and spent some time with him, and my sister got his VIP passes, which was good. Um, although I we got seats in the pit area, and my knee was – I was having a bad time with my knee, and the pit area is also kind of the handicap area. And I, I, I was walking with my cane because it hurt. And, you know, and I was also using it as kind of a seeing eye at night because I'm not, I'm night blind. So the guy came up to me and all of a sudden he comes and goes, do you need a chair, sir? And I'm like, uh, I don't, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, I'd love one, but is that weak? My knee is hurting. I'm not going to be able to stand the whole concert. So I got a chair and it was great. I felt like George Costanza with his, you know, his, his motorized, uh, scooter there with the uh motorized wheelchair um but anyway i don't know why i told that story but it was uh it was a lovely concert okay let's do three things it's time for three things all right number one i'm not going to even get into operation varsity blues are you aware of this story it just broke today that there are um, apparently people like Felicity Huffman, who's married to William H. Macy, Lori Laughlin from uh, Full House, paid, bribed big-time schools to get their kids in. And this is really interesting in my uh, world because my daughter just got in, and I wished I could have got into Florida. I wished I wished I could have done something to help her get in. I don't financially I couldn't have, but, um, you know, is there any, can I come over and talk to you, you know, mow your yard? I'll do anything, you know. Obviously, I can't put your name in the paper or anything like that. Anyway, I didn't need to. She got in anyway. But this is a really big story, and it's going to be interesting to follow. Um, but the interest, the story people will tell you around here, and I don't know if it's true, that floor, you you don't get help here. You got You've got to do it on your own merit no matter who you are, and that Ben Hill Griffin's niece or daughter or granddaughter, I, I don't know what it is, was denied admission to Florida. The man's name is on the on the stadium, and that happens. So at any rate, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an uplifting story, and that is Tim Tebow. It looks like he's going to start in Syracuse with his minor league um, season, and that, that tells you – that there, he's going to get called up at some point if he can stay healthy and continue to improve. But think about how unlikely this whole thing seemed, and everybody thought it was a publicity stunt. And why would he do this? And all he's doing is furthering his brand. Now he wants to play baseball, and if he's playing in the major leagues at some point, there ain't a lot of people that uh, have started at quarterback in the NFL and started a major league baseball game i want the list somebody please get me that list i can't think of anybody that started a quarterback in the nfl and started a major league baseball game there's probably somebody well give me that list but good luck to him on that. Uh, number two, the, obviously the Antonio Brown trade. Uh, Trent Brown, the former Gator, who 
really uh, I, I, I'm surprised, I think, all of us how good he's been as a pro. Gets traded to the Raiders. Are the Raiders getting good? Um, it seems like it. And they've got all these draft picks stocked up. And, um, boy, you know, the, the whole John Gruden, we thought this was a really dumb move. Maybe working out. Although, then I read a story say he didn't really have any master plan. It's just kind of fallen into his lap. So who knows what it is. Maybe he is just getting lucky. Um, the NFL, though, they, they had the list of names behind Wendy Nix and my buddy Chris Mortensen up there the other day, and there were so many free agents. Um, and I'm like, man, the NFL, you, you literally – all right, Brady's going to be with the Patriots. I know that. Uh, and that's about it. And everything else is all new. So it's going to be crazy. And let me tell you what. One thing about the Jaguars, getting Nick Foles, that's a great great addition. I, I That's who probably I would have gone after. But it doesn't mean you're going to be great. It doesn't mean you're going to be great right, right away because you've got to have guys to throw the ball to and you got to get your backs to stay healthy. you got to get better in a lot of areas. Um, you don't go – you aren't as bad as they were – because of one position. It hurt him. There's no question about it. I wonder where Bortles will end up. All right, and number three, uh, just want to say how proud I am of Mouse Holloway. Mouse and I spoke in uh, Destin together at a uh, Gator function, and uh, we had a great time there. And I mean, this guy is so um, – he, he is such a great coach. And I, as I pointed out in my column, are, is he the best – Florida coach ever and if you go any sport like I've always said it was Billy Donovan because Billy took over a program that had done nothing zero all right point one one final four and that was it he he took it over and made it a perennial he put him on the map made him elite got elite recruits won two national championships played for another one got to another final four with a group of guys who couldn't go to the NBA to me Billy Donovan's one and Steve Spurrier's two Spurrier ahead of Urban because Steve, even though Urban won one more, Steve, uh, similar, has started with a program that could never win and taught him how to win and won a, at a, an incredible level over a long period of time. That, to me, it's not even close between two and three. But where does Mouse fit in there? Like, you can bring up you can bring up Ron Fain, who did a great job. You can bring up Tim Walton. Um, you can bring up uh, certainly Roland Thornquist, who's won a bunch of national championships. Mouse has won nine. Now, he gets to coach two sports and two men and women, so he gets four opportunities a year, but so what? Who else has won in nine in the last ten years? It's been in ten years he's won nine. This guy's a treasure and is such a good guy, and the, the last guy who would ever brag about himself or seek out any attention. Salute him, man. You're lucky to have him here in Gainesville. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. I hope I didn't ramble too much. Sometimes I ramble. I get off on tangents, and I don't digress back enough. Uh, But we will have another one next week. We'll talk a little bit about football next week with spring. Uh, I'm going to go out there Thursday to practice uh, after the Florida basketball game. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to make Tuesday because I'm covering baseball. Baseball, Florida FSU. Maybe I'll see you out there. So anyway, hopefully you guys um, have a good week, man. It's a lot, lot to pick and choose from in this town. If you do, if you can't find anything to do here this week, um, you just aren't you aren't a sports fan. But I appreciate all of you for listening to me 
and for taking the time to click on. Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I am out of here. <laughs>